Psalm 92. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. To show forth his loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. Notice verse number four tonight where I'll take my text. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, as we bow in your presence, we're thankful, God, for the privilege to be here tonight. Thank you, Lord, uh, for touching our pastor, God, and allowing him to be here. Lord God, thank you for all your healing that's been going on, God, for healing my body. And I pray that you continue to touch Della, Lord, that you'd heal her. God, we know that you're able. All we need to do is just ask you and believe. Dear God, we ask you now that you'd anoint your servant tonight. Help us, dear God, that we'd bring forth the things that you'd have to be said. Dear God, I pray for your power and unction. Uh, God, bring to our members the things we've studied. Give us clarity of thought and speech. Help us, dear God, that we might preach under your anointing power tonight. Dear God, we ask you that you'd touch your children. Encourage them here tonight, Father. And for what you do for us, we'll thank you. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Verse number four again says, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. God being my helper, I want to bring you a message on this thought tonight. My victory is in his hands. My victory is in his hands. Now if you'll notice in verse number four, it starts out, with the word for. In other words, it's kind of like the word because. It's causing us to look back and to see why he was glad about the victory. Do you have victory tonight in Jesus? Praise God, I'm glad there is victory in Jesus. There's victory for the child of God. We don't have to be down. We can be up. But I'll tell you the way to get up is to get down. Amen. To humble yourself before God and he said he'd exalt you in due time. He'd lift you up. But here, the psalmist is praising God about getting to go to God's house. This psalm was sung every Sunday morning or every Sabbath day. Of course, it was Saturday back then. But it was sung every Saturday when they entered the house of God. <laughs> and if you notice, if you study back, there was always a double sacrifice preacher on the Sabbath day. Is there anything wrong with going to God's house twice on Sunday? Amen. <laughs> yeah, man, a lot of people would fuss with you about that now. Amen. <laughs> yeah, they're Sunday morning bloomers, and that's about it, amen. How <laughs> uh, you won't find them at the house of God any other time. I guess they get all they need, preacher. Maybe you load the wagon too heavy. <laughs> but anyhow, they sang this song every time they assembled at God's house. And the reason why was it was it reminded them of what God had done for them. It reminded them that they needed to praise God. It said it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises unto His name. What's wrong with singing praises? Amen. There's three things I want to mention here uh, by the way of introduction. Uh, there's three ways that you can praise God and God's saying so right here. First of all, it's by singing. 
I love to hear good singing, don't you? I believe singing prepares our hearts for the preaching of the Word of God. And if you'll just listen to the message in the song, if there ain't no Jesus in the song, honey, don't sing it. Amen. If there ain't no grace, if there ain't no glory, there ain't no power. And, and Chris, I'm sure you've heard a whole lot of that down through the years. Amen. I mean, ever no perfect. Not one hair out of place, but not enough power to blow a gnat off of, off of a, a, a pedestal. Amen. I want, I want to hear singing with the power of God on it. I don't care whether it's good singing or whether it's singing. I don't care as long as there's glory and there's power on it. He said it's a good thing. It's a good thing to sing praises unto God. How much do you sing unto the Lord? The Bible said to sing unto the Lord, make melody in your heart unto the Lord and sing praises. How much do you really sing to God? Well, preacher, I can't sing. Didn't ask you that. I said, how much do you sing to the Lord? I mean, when, when trouble comes, does it strike up a note in your heart? Hey, listen, God didn't make no mistake when he put a song book in the middle of his Bible. If you read the book of Psalms, that's what that is. Every one of those psalms was put to music and they sang those psalms. Every once in a while a man needs a song down the road. Thank God just to lift him up and to help him and to cheer him up. I, I, I've sung Amazing Grace many times going down the road, haven't yes, you, preacher? Sir. A song come in my mind, I get lifted. Yes, Praise sir. God, every once in a while you have to pull off. Yes, uh, Praise yes. God, God gets in there with you and, and the tears begin to flow. But I love to hear good singing. And then also notice not only by singing, but the Bible said there to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. God's pretty well got the whole day covered, ain't he? Yeah. Amen. Loving kindness. You know what loving kindness is? Loving kindness is love with overalls on, with work clothes on. Amen. It's loving action. That's what loving kindness is in the Bible. But he said to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, and thy faithfulness at night. When you lay your head down at night, you can say God's been faithful. Why? Because he's kept you all day. You're still alive. You're able to lay your head down, thank God, and get sweet rest at night. God has kept you all that day. We ought to thank him every day for his faithfulness. Hey, the Bible said when we are not faithful, he can't deny himself. He yet abides faithful. That word show forth, preacher, that means to shine. Boy, when you see that loving kindness and that faithfulness, that ought to put a glow on you, amen? That ought to put a shine on you. Shining for, that's what the Bible said, to let your light so shine before men that they'd see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Don't put it under a bushel. Is it an effort for you to serve God? Huh? Is it an effort for you to come to God's house? Oh, man, I have to go to church again. Uh, is that your attitude? That's why a lot of people ain't got no victory in their life. See, the victory's in his hands. And when you get in the house of God, see, you get close to where he's at. You get where the word of God's at. You get where good singing's at. Uh, I like that song that Chris sung, don't you? Praise God, I want to be under the blood. I want to have my sins under the blood. I want to be where there's a shining, thank God, and a glowing. You know when God's in the house. Boy, people's faces begin to glow, don't they, preacher? Yeah, they begin to shine. But notice the third thing. Not only by singing, not only by shining, but notice what the Bible said. There's a reason why that his hands has my victory in it. 
Notice, look what the Bible said up on an instrument of ten strings, upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. They're strings. <laughs> Thank God that gives God praise and glory. I like to hear somebody play that old piano. Well, I tell you what, we invited old, I invited that old black man up here to sing. Remember Larry Bruton? Man, he got on that piano and tore that thing up. I love to hear somebody play that can really tickle them ivories, don't you? Chris, you're learning. You're doing good. <laughs> you're coming along, son. But praise God. I love to hear somebody play the guitar, the banjo, anything with strings on it. I remember back years ago when somebody said, now, a piano's okay in church, but we don't want none of them honky-tonk guitars in here. We don't like them old strings. They told Hootie Craig that one, one night in the church. He flipped that a piano top up and said, what's that? Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's strings in there if you didn't know it. Yeah. What's wrong with a stringed instrument? The Bible said to play one with ten strings. on. Boys, I can't hardly play six or five. Let alone, <laughs> amen, let alone ten. But praise God, it said that harp with a solemn sound. I've never heard a harp, preacher, of you. I've never heard anybody play a harp in church. Man, I tell you what, I've heard it on TV. That's a, that's a beautiful melodic sound, ain't it? Boy, when they're running all them strings down, I'd love to hear Amazing Grace on a harp. Whew, glory to God, the Lamb for it. Hey, listen, David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. And he played a harp, if you'll study the Word of God. Man, think about it. David wrote the psalm, and he got to play it on a harp. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with strings in the house of God. I love them wind instruments too, don't you? The flute and the clarinet and the trombone. I heard a, a group of young people come out of South Carolina. I, I believe the daddy was with them too from this church of God. And every one of them played these wind instruments. And it was the most beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life. Some of the people said, I don't believe in that. Well, you ought to read the Old Testament then if you don't believe in that. Uh, that's the way they worship God yeah. with those wind instruments and with those string instruments God even had the priests to appoint people yeah. to sing and to play and to do certain things what's wrong with that yeah. amen we need to praise God let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord amen. that's why a lot of people don't have victory in their life because they're short on praises. I remember old Pappy McGee said one time, I heard him preaching on the radio, and he said, what I'm going to answer to God for most in my life is the lack of praise. Amen. Huh? Amen. How long has it been since you had a good shouting fit? Amen. How long has it been since you said amen? Yeah. Amen. Can I hear you say amen? amen? How long has it been since you had a good crying spell, waving hands? Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> we need to praise God. If we don't, the Bible said the rocks would. I don't want no rock giving God my praise. Hey, if you ain't got nothing to praise God about, praise God because you're breathing. Everything that has breath, praise you the Lord. It said even let the trees clap their hands. Hey, clap your hands just a little bit. Huh? You know God hears that. Amen. Amen. Praise you the Lord. It's good, the Bible said, to praise the Lord. And the reason why we can have the victory, a whole lot of it, praise God, is because of praising, singing, 
shining with the strings any way we possibly can. But listen, the Bible said there in verse four, for thou, Lord, hast made me, not gonna make me, not will make me. It's in the past tense, preacher. It's right now. For, Lord, thou hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph. I will have victory. I will overcome by the works of thy hands. You don't have victory in yourself. You don't have victory in your hands. I can't bring revival or victory to this church. See, that's what revival's all about, folks. That's why God told me to preach this message tonight. We're getting ready for revival. Revival is when you are victorious. Revival is when you overcome the things that's in your life and get back close to God and get back on your knees and get back in your prayer closet and find the victory in your life. Ain't been a whole lot of shouting going on lately, preacher. Me too. You too. Every one of us. We ain't been shouting much, have we? Ah, preacher, you don't have to. I didn't say you had to. (laughs) I'm saying you will every once in a while. When it bubbles up, the Bible said out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Thank God the the, uh, Samaritan woman at the well said, it'll be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then it'll come out (laughs) out of your innermost being like rivers of living water. You know what that's for? That inward motion and that upward motion is for you. But that outward motion, you see, is for everybody around you. You ever seen it rub off on somebody when somebody gets to shout? (laughs) When it get on, I mean, the Holy Ghost begin to move and you obey God and somebody else will and somebody else will. Hey, Hey, man, praise God. We need to have the victory. And that victory is in his hands. That victory is in his keeping. I want to show you four things right quick about his hands. Boy, I love to read about the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this now. Number one, we have the victory in Jesus because his hands are creative hands. The Bible said, without him nothing was made that was made. He's the one that created all. Isaiah 40 said, Who hath measured the water in the hall of his hands and meted out the heavens with a span. That means from right here to right here. That's how big his hand is. He meted out. He measured out everything you can look up and see with the span of his hand. And all the waters in the world is in the hall of his palm right there. Think about that. The creative hands of God. The Bible said the heavens are the works of thy hands. Hey, listen. Sing with me for a minute. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Do you believe that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That causes a fight with liberal people, don't it? The Bible said we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In other words, God spoke and it happened. It wasn't no big bang. It wasn't no tadpole exploding. 
Amen. It wasn't no big footprint from some monster from outer space, thank God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the book of Genesis, you look at it. It all said, and God said. And God said. And God said. If anybody wants to talk to you about evolution, honey, ask them this one question. I'll never forget Preacher Dennis <laughs> quoting this. He said, if there ever was evolution, why aren't they still doing it? If monkeys ever become man, why aren't they still evolution? Huh? No, the Bible said God made everything after its kind. Listen, if you read Romans chapter 1, you'll find the world is devolving instead of evolving. Amen. It's a downward spiral. Men are being turned over to reprobate minds because of women after women and men after men. It's revolving down instead of up, preacher. The Bible said in the last days they'd become as natural brute beasts. Now you think about what Brother Richard was preaching. Uh, The Bible said they'd seek death and not find it. Why are all these movies coming about all these zombies that are dead and walking around? Yeah. Huh? Why are people being beheaded now overseas? You think it's Bible prophecy being fulfilled? You better think about it, folks. Amen. God created the heavens and the earth. And greater still than that, preacher, the thing that really gets me about creation, the Bible said that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. All things are passed away and behold all things. Thank God are becoming. You talk about creating power. Even greater than taking some old dust out of the ground and making man and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. Richard, when God found you under that tree and you got saved, you know what God did? He He created a new man in you. He put a spirit and a life in you that you didn't have. You are dead. Thank God in trespasses and sins. We have victory in his hands because his hands are the only ones that has the power to create. Notice also, we have victory in his hands. My victory is in his hands because he has hands of compassion. Amen. The Bible said in the world you shall have tribulation, but, but, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Listen, the Bible said in Matthew 9, when he saw the multitudes and looked out on them, his heart was broken. He had compassion on the multitudes. He couldn't pass death by, preacher. You remember the story about the widow at Nain? When they were going into the city of Nain, and he passed that funeral procession and he met them. Right at the gate. The Bible said when he saw that mother crying over her son. And she was a widow. Her husband had died too. The Bible said he had compassion on her. That word compassion there means my pain in your heart. Or your pain in my heart. He felt what she was feeling, preacher. Oh, to God that we could feel sometimes the situation and the pain that people are going through. That we could actually grasp that and feel that in our souls. Well, yeah. you go to Jamaica and you'll feel that, won't you, oh, preacher? Yes, when you look at the devastation there in that, in that place, that they have nothing and the hope of nothing physically and materially. But boy, when they love God, they love God with everything they've yeah. got because that's yeah. all they've got. 
Sometimes I think we'd be better off, preacher, if we didn't have as much physically as we have. That we'd have more compassion. We'd have more compassion upon people. Well, I see I've lost part of this already, but that's all right. I'll put it back on, Dave. Maybe I won't stomp it. But listen, I I, I was thinking about the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible said there, he set them all down in groups by multitudes, fifties and hundreds. And the Bible said that he took that bread and that fish and he took it in his hands, preacher. And he looked up to God with his hands on that that he was blessing. Want to know why you're blessed of God? (laughs) You want to know why God is so real to you? Because he's got his hand on you, you see. Amen. His hand is on you. Just like it was upon that food. And the Bible said he began to pass it out. And there was 12 baskets left. And everybody was fed to the full. Listen, I, I can't get away from this thought, preacher. When Jesus came into the upper room. And he knew he was going to Calvary. And it was that last meal they was going to have. The Bible said he girded himself about and he got down on his knees and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, they didn't have shoes and socks like we've got. They had sandals and all their gutters right out in the street, they walked through that. When you got down and cleaned somebody's feet and washed somebody's feet then, it meant something. Yeah. Glory to God. He took his hands and took their filthy feet and put them in that in that pan of water and washed them. He said, you do so just like I'm doing to others. You remember that I'm coming. You remember, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And the Bible said that he'd exalt you in due time. Hands of compassion. Hands that reach out. Hands that reach down. When we give money and put it in this plate for Jamaica, That's what you're doing, folks. You're reaching out with a hand of compassion. You're giving food and clothing to somebody that don't have it. When you reach out and witness to somebody and take things, listen. How long has it been since you put some legs under your prayers and really talked to somebody about their soul? I mean, took it in your hands to go to them and say, look, I love you. I don't want to see you go to hell. Oh my God, my daughter called right before I was getting ready to come to church. I said, call me back at nine o'clock. I got something to talk to you about. I want to tell her about Jesus, preacher. Hey man, they're not in church. They're not in church. They don't understand that Jesus is coming soon. Is it important that we have compassion? Is it as important for God so loved the world? That he gave his only begotten son. What are you giving? What are we giving? For God the preacher preached. What are we actually giving? Our compassion and our heart will determine how much we give. How much we're concerned about others. I love it when I hear people say pray for this one, pray for that one, pray for this one, pray for that one. What does that tell you? It's not a show. They've got something right here in their heart. Listen, you want to be like Jesus? You intercede for others. That's what he's doing right now. That's what he's doing beside the throne of God. Listen. 
Number three, right quickly. We have victory in his hands. My victory is in his hands because they're crucified hands. Because they're crucified hands. The Bible said he became the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation actually means mercy seat. It means a willing sacrifice. You know what propitiation means? It means this. His hands wasn't wrestled down. His hands wasn't pulled down. His hands wasn't forced down. He gave his life. He laid his hands down and laid his life down. They thought they took his life. In their minds they did. But listen, in the mind of God, no one took his life. He had the power to lay it down. And the Bible said he had the power to take it again. Listen, we have victory because of his crucified hands. Because Zechariah said, what are these wounds in thy hands? He shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. The wicked, the Bible said, have pierced my hands and my feet. John 19 says that Joseph of Arimathea come and begged the body of Jesus and took it down off of the cross. I've often wondered, preacher, how did he, how did he get those spikes out of his hands? Did he take a hammer and pull them out? Did he pull his hands? Did he pull his hands through those spikes with heads on them that big that were square? Seven inches long. How did he get him down off of that cross? No wonder the Bible said, there's wounds, there's wounds, not scars. There's open wounds in my hands. He told Thomas, said, come, put your finger in the wounds, in the nail prints. Put your fist in my side with a spear pressed into my side. There was crucified hands, folks. And the hands that reached down to us are the crucified hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they was walking on the road to Emmaus, the Bible said they didn't recognize Christ. And he walked along and he began at Moses and preached to them and talked to them. All the things from Moses all the way up to that day concerned himself. My God, what a a sermon that would have been, preacher, to hear to hear the Lord Jesus. And listen, he can talk about himself, amen. We ain't got much to say about ourselves, but praise God, he can talk about, you listen, when he said John 3, 16, Nicodemus was the first one to ever hear it. And he heard it from the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who was he talking about? He's talking about himself. Wouldn't you like to hear that? Glory to God. He said the Son of Man must, must be lifted up. There's crucified hands. When we look at the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yes, Thomas touched his hands. Uh, it said now thanks to God that we have always, that he causes us always to triumph in the works of his hands. Let me tell you something, folks. When we see him Preacher, he'll still have crucified hands. He'll still have those wounds in his hands. Zechariah said that. How will they recognize him? By the wounds in his hands. Received in the house of his friends. 
I drove the nail. You drove the nail. When he was there, at the cross on Calvary, your sins and my sins drove those nails. Why can he give victory? Because he has crucified hands. He paid the debt I could not pay. He paid the debt that he didn't know. I owed that debt. But his crucified hands at Calvary gave the victory. Listen, he cried on the cross and said, it's finished. Tell us die. In other words, I've won. This is the victory that overcomes the world. I've won. But he died, preacher. He gave up the ghost. That was God's plan. My God, you know the book of Isaiah said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I can't, I can't fathom that, preacher. I've never been able to understand the depth of that. That the Father said he was pleased to bruise him. He made his soul an offering for sin. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When he reached down and convicted you of your sin and drawed you out, picked you up and set your feet on a rock and established your going, it was with crucified hands, preacher, that he reached down to you. Last of all, right quickly, we have victory. We have victory. Our victory, my victory, is in his hands because they're conquering hands. <laughs> in Luke 24 and 50, the Bible said, when he took them out to the mount, and the Bible said a cloud received him up. The Bible said he raised his hands. And those angels said, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus that went away will come again in like manner. <laughs> Colossians 2 and said, blot out the handwriting of ordinances against us that was contrary to us and took them out of the way, nailing them to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Revelation 1 says, I'm he that... I'm alive and was dead and alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of death and hell. Where did he get them? The Bible said he descended in the lower parts of the earth. After he died, he went and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Listen, those that were in paradise, the Bible says that he entered in past that great gulf and took those and proclaimed victory and walked by Satan, or whichever demon had those keys, I don't know. He said, I'll have them. <laughs> hey, listen, Satan don't even have the keys to his own house now. Amen. Jesus has got them. The Bible said, I've got the keys of death and hell forever. Right. Right. Amen. There's victory in his hands because he's got the keys. Do you want to have victory? He blotted out all the, listen, do you know above your head when you got saved? Now, you might not believe this, but I'm talking spiritually. You're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It said that handwriting of ordinances that was against you, where'd he put it? He nailed it to his cross. 
Every sin you ever committed, folks, was nailed to his cross. All those ordinances, everything that God had in his great computer up there was nailed to his cross. And he gave triumph. The Bible said, thank God all the principalities and the powers, all the rulers of darkness had to bow before him, thank God, and give the keys over. The Bible said in Revelation 12 and 1 that they overcame by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Think about this. Praise God, there's coming a day. Listen, the Bible said when this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on mortality, then it'll be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Are you listening to me? There's victory. There's victory in his hands. Listen, the Bible said, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. There's coming a day, preacher. He's not coming back with a crown of thorns. There's coming a day he's coming back with a diadem. Amen. He's coming back to rule and to reign on this earth for a thousand glorious years. And the Bible said those of the, the righteousness of the saints in that white linen on those white horses, thank God, the armies of God's going to be right behind him. And his feet's going to sit down on the Mount of Olives. Praise God, and the Bible said the nation of Israel is going to be reborn in one day. You think about that. Huh? They're going to see him whom they pierced and they're going to repent before God. He's coming back to conquer. He's coming back to rule and to reign. Let me close with this. You know the distance between heaven and hell from right here to right here. The distance between victory in your life and defeat is right here to right here. You know, you've got a throne right here. Who's on it? Who's on that throne? He's got victory in his hands, folks, and he's reaching them out. Let's bow our heads. Chris, come play something for me right quickly, if you would. You know you, you know, you can have victory in your life. How do I have victory, preacher? Just by taking it. Just by reaching out. He's reaching down. He's reaching down all the way to your heart. Are you listening? There's victory. There's victory in those crucified hands, those creative hands, those compassionate hands. Listen, he can conquer in your life whatever's holding you back. While he plays, you need to come and pray. You need to come and talk to God. While they're coming, would you come? If you need to come and pray and talk with, talk with the Lord. Yes, God.